on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And you know what? I think it's just time that we call a spade a spade and just say that, you know, a lot of these PT clinics out there, especially if they're utilizing the traditional model, they just don't know. I mean, let's just be honest and say it. I mean, and we hate to say that it comes down to ego, but that's really... Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone. Nick and I are here in the rack today for episode number two. It is July 2nd. We're all here just sitting, looking all American out as the 4th of July weekend is right around the corner. Um, however, as you guys are listening to this podcast, you guys will probably already have had your 4th of July. So we hope that all of you and your friends and family had a great 4th. Um, there is just one thing that we wanted to be clear on first before we kind of get started on this episode. And that's just addressing the fact that we call ourselves doctors. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but we just wanted to, you know, kind of talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we don't, we don't, in- it's, it's not that we don't like it. We we went to, you know, school, earned our doctorate in physical therapy, but, um, you know, where our s- healthcare system is at right now, it's more of a a sick care system than an actual healthcare system. Um, and we believe that it needs to, it needs a big overhaul, it needs a big change. So in referring to ourselves as doctors in this insurance-based model, it, it almost makes you sound, unfortunately, unapproachable, which shouldn't be the way uh, it, it should be. And that's just why I think we're going to move forward and, and just, yeah, we'll break away from that. It's already in the intro though. And we're not going to change that because if we change the intro now, I won't be able to get paid next month. And <laughs> no, you'll still get paid, man. It's all good. That, so. Yeah, man. And it's one of those things too, where we've just developed such a great culture here. I mean, you walk into our facility and we're wearing t-shirts and shorts and you know, sneakers, you know, we're not wearing lab coats and shirts and ties, you know, for us, that just makes us feel less approachable. And it, it just kind of also brings more, you know, I guess it almost looks more serious and not for nothing, man, we're movement specialists, like try moving in a white lab coat or a shirt and tie with khakis and dress shoes. That's not going to happen. And to clear that up with the unapproachableness, it's not the fault of the doctor. A lot of times when you are going through insurance and each year you have to see more and more patients, doctors become the celebrity in a way in that you never get to see, they're the main act, right? You never really get to see, you're waiting to see them and you only see them for a short period of time. That's because they have to see so many patients throughout the day just to make the same amount of money that they made the year before or the year before that. And that's a result of the insurance company, not the doctor themselves. So it's not not really the doctor's fault. It's it's the way the the, the, the model's set up. Let's not forget how unapproachable I probably already am anyways. I mean, I got a mohawk and tattoos um, and you know, I'm just not your typical physical therapist. So for somebody to walk in the door and, and call me doctor, it's, it's can't, it can't be that easy. You know what I mean? So, 
But secondly, man, we just want to be clear that, you know, with this podcast, you don't have to lift heavy, you know, to gain any benefit from this podcast at all, man. It's not a requirement to watch this podcast or listen to this podcast. So, you know, I don't want people to think that just because they're Most not people heavy should lifters, be doing some form of resistance training throughout their lifespan. But that doesn't mean you have to do it the way we do it just to listen or the way you may associate typical, um, quote unquote, meatheads um, lifting. Uh, but just we, we do strongly believe that everyone can benefit from from lifting weights. For sure, man. Absolutely. Totally agree. You know, so. All right. Let's get into today's uh, episode. So today's episode, we'd like to talk about um, training is rehab and rehab is training. What's the difference? Well, at ProForm Physical Therapy. There's not a whole lot of difference uh, besides the fact that with physical therapy, you're going to get just more hands-on type of manual therapies that you would not normally get through training. However, the training itself is very similar. I mean, you walked into our facility, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a patient or a client or whether they're doing rehab or training. And, uh, you know, let's just talk a little bit about how the traditional PT model might be missing the boat on this one a little bit. And I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, where the profession is going as a whole. And I really feel that, you know, we're trying to take this, you know, time to really, really harp on the fact that this just needs to change. And, um, you know, if we keep kind of going back and forth, back and forth, you know, we're, we're never going to really know which direction that we're going in. So uh, I really feel that, you know, as a profession, you know, physical therapy needs to start bridging that gap between training and rehab so that we can best benefit, you know, uh, patients and clients, you know, with getting them to reach their goals and activities that they want to get back to. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people think of those two things, training and rehab as two separate, completely separate entities. And we need to stop that because realistically, it's more of a spectrum or a continuum where you fall at some point on that that line or that timeline, depending on a variety of factors. It could be a recent injury. It could be your your sleep schedule works crazy right now. Your stress levels. There's a lot of factors that play a role other than just injuries or pain. And we need to think of people being on that continuum and moving them more towards the training side if they are more on the rehab side or if they're on the training side trying to keep them there. And that may not mean, you know, training as in weightlifting all the time. It could be training as it pertains to their individual goals, whether they're, you know, a sport athlete or some kind of uh, recreational athlete could be something that has really nothing to do with the, the typical thought processes with training it could be some something like you know pickleball like my dad recently just got into pickleball that wouldn't be considered something where someone needs strength and conditioning but if someone wants to play that they got to be able to move quickly they got to be able to rotate they have to be able to move forward backwards side everything so you need to be able to move in a certain way and in order to do that you need to prepare the body to do so yeah absolutely nick and you know what I think it's just time that we call a spade a spade and just say that, you know, a lot of these PT clinics out there, especially if they're utilizing the traditional model, they just don't know. I mean, let's just be honest and say it. I mean, and we hate to say that it comes down to ego, but that's really what it is at the end of the day. I mean, some of these PTs just can't admit to themselves that they really just don't know how to progress some of these patients and clients. You know, they have not been introduced to this hybrid model as well as strength conditioning. And let's just say that, you know, they're not really doing strength and conditioning. I mean, 
doing straight leg raises until week six is is absolutely absurd. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I, I, yeah, it's it's one of those things that when you come out of school with a degree or a license in the the medical world, and I'm sure this is in other other fields, but I just don't know those areas enough. You're almost afraid to say I don't know, but sometimes that's it takes even more courage to say that. We don't know everything. There's so much that we we know very little. The more you know, the less the the more you find out, the less you know, or something like that. Um, but it, it's the type of thing that everyone's just kind of afraid to say, "I don't know" or "I'm not too sure." And in doing so, we cause more harm because we end up continuing on with the little that we do know, and we just continue to plateau or, or stay in the same place. We don't progress along that continuum. Or we end up making something up and, and doing something that might be totally wrong. Um, and back to that, that um, what Chad was saying about the, the other, some of these clinics just don't, you know, don't even get off the table, don't even progress. I actually just had a recent patient come in and she was, I think she's about 60. And she said, I'm just looking to be pushed hard in an athletic approach. And it really just kind of hit me. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool that you're saying that. But it also speaks volumes to what the rest of the industry, because she had gone to numerous PT clinics and never felt like she had an athletic approach. And we're all, if if you're human, you're an athlete. It doesn't matter if you're done with sports. Just because you're done with sports doesn't mean you stop being an athlete. If someone is walking across the street, they walk, they think the street's clear, they walk and a car comes whizzing by. What are you just going to go? Oh, looks like my time's done. I'm not an athlete anymore. I can't move quick anymore. That's crazy. Absolutely, man. I think this is another rabbit hole worth diving into for sure. I mean, your patient's 60 years old. I mean, how many times have you heard of our older patients or just our patients in general, man, just being told, eh, you can never run again. You can never squat again. You can never jump again. You can never play golf again. I mean, all of these principles are loading principles. I mean, these are all principles that people need to continue to do so that they can get back to the activities that they want to do. I mean, let's just be honest and say that like, that's just absurd. And, you know, loading is just one of the main principles that we do here and not for nothing, but loading principles, it's, it's like written fucking law, man. Yeah. Like for, for people who don't know, Chad's referring to Wolf's law is for bone. And then there's, um, I think it's Davis's law that's for soft tissue. So muscle tendon, if we apply the load to the tissue, the tissue will get stronger, go figure. Um, and those are the two laws that realistically no PT, strength coach, doctor, anyone in the healthcare field should forget. They should be underlying every decision we make. Because even if anywhere along the injury, yeah, there are times where we may have to offload to let things heal, let things calm down. But at the end of the day, the goal is to get back to progressive loading to re-strengthen that tissue and hopefully gain it, gain strength past the point which they had before because that may have played a role in their initial injury anyway you know so it really comes down to this this question of capacity versus demand you have a certain capacity that your body and the tissues can tolerate and then we have the demand that we place on it day in and day out if the demand surpasses the capacity something could give way if your capacity is higher than the demand you're putting on it every day you know you're you're in good shape but if we don't stress the capacity, then we're not going to continue to keep the high capacity. Your body's going to meet it back down where the demand is because 
That's the way your body works. It wants to survive. It cares about efficiency and survival. So if we're not continually stressing the capacity, which we we believe is is very accomplishable in a training capacity, then your body's overall capacity will dwindle down and soon the demand will meet the capacity. So we always need to be throughout the lifespan stressing the capacity, making sure our capacity stays at a level that's over the demand and sometimes blurring those lines where we test ourselves, but not every day. We don't have to do that. You know, and that's kind of the overarching theme of this whole podcast of, of PT or therapy and, 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 and rehab um, meeting that training at some point. It needs to happen at some point. We need to get more on that training end of the spectrum because otherwise we're not getting into the increasing capacity part. Yeah, that's a great point, Nick. I mean, I feel like we need to start talking more about capacity and the demands that we're placing on the body, you know, and um, I, I feel like most people are overreaching and most people are throwing way too much demand on their bodies and they haven't developed the capacity to be able to take those demands. And, you know, let's just throw a few examples out there. You know, one for starters, like what's the most common thing that we see uh, besides low back pain is, you know, plantar fasciitis. And what do we normally see with a patient that comes in with plantar fasciitis that might've seen a doctor? Well, they're placed in a boot for six weeks. Um, Let's talk about capacity and demand in this example and say that if you're in a boot for six weeks, that means that your capacity is absolute shit. But now all of a sudden you take that boot off after six weeks and you're placing all this demand on a foot that hasn't been able to touch the ground in six weeks. And what do you know? We get fucking pain again. Well, that's just great. you know. So capacity and demand, super important. If we can't load up these tissues and adapt these tissues to the demands that we're placing to them, we're always going to be going like he back got and angry forth. He, in, in he, just, he got really close to the microphone. There's a little touch and go for a little bit. He wasn't actually angry. Um, <laughs> Dude, we were just talking about, you know, the perfect space between your, your mouth and your microphone. And if you can just your stick mouth, your tongue, your tongue out and touch that microphone. Touch the microphone. That's how you know you're close enough to the microphone. That's that's the test. That's the quick test. Just make sure you have your own microphone. We don't want with with you know everything going on out there. We don't want people sharing microphones. Not okay right now. Yeah, I got a little taste on that one. Um but let's get get back to it. Let's let's give you an analogy of just just consider a cup, right? And and the cup fills with water. So the cup is your body's capacity, right? And the demand placed on your body and its tissues is water filling the cup. If we don't have a high capacity, right? It doesn't take much demand to surpass or to overflow that cup. Okay? So we need to gradually increase the size of that cup. So in rehab situations, sit say an acute injury, you know, someone sprains an ankle. Yeah, we may have to, in the short term, remove some of the demand, okay? So we need to remove some of the water. So we need to take demand off the body. That could be crutches, right? We take load off the the foot and the ankle, you know? But then at some point, if we do that too long, the cup will shrink, right? So now over time, we can't take on as much water. So long term, we need to gradually increase the size of the cup or get more capacity. And that's what training, strength and conditioning the, this world of, of strength and conditioning does it really, really well. They understand this. But unfortunately, in the world of PT, we, we kind of miss this a lot of the times. We have a lot of, of, of clinicians out there that, that miss this boat of, at some point, we need to increase the size of the cup. They're doing a really, really good job when someone comes in in a lot of pain and they can 
oh yeah, no, let's 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 work on you. Let's get get your pain down. Let's do some exercises that aren't painful. You know, so we're removing the water. We're taking demand away. So the person feels really good because the demand's gone. But all the while, their cup is shrinking. So their capacity is shrinking. So when they try to go back, just like Chad was saying, they, they get into this cyclical, this vicious cycle of the injury coming back, goes away, comes back. Because all you're doing is you're just removing the demand. Oh, I feel better. Okay, I'm going to go back. All right, well, cup's small. So it's not going to take much, much till you get hurt again, you know? So it's that type of thing where capacity versus demand, it sounds simple. And that's simplifying a very complex thing in the human body. But it's okay to look for some simplicity in a world of complexity, because if you're just looking at complex things with a complex thought process, it's just going to confuse the crap out of you. It's going to stress you out. So let's look for a little simplicity behind what is complex while, you know, respecting the fact that it is complex at the end of the day. So Chad, let's let's talk about your your training for a little bit because if if people know what you look like, they know you you have some experience in training, um, and that is resistance training. He has zero zero training for his cardiovascular health. But <laughs> yeah, cardio is just not my thing, man. Uh, resistance training, yes, cardio, no, don't sign me up for cardio. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I would say that my training first began probably like 15 to 20 years ago. I was like a sophomore, junior in college and uh, undergrad anyways. And that's when it really kind of took off for me. Um, It wasn't until probably my third year in graduate school where I actually had my first injury. And, um, you know, I I was into powerlifting and obviously resistance training, as as Nick just said, but definitely noticed um, my low back started to ache on me and um, you know, I was into power cleans and all that. And not to say that I didn't probably injure myself in, in that regard there, but, um, I'm not hugely in love with bees, but I remember I was outside, uh, one time with my wife, then girlfriend at that point, And, uh, there was this bee that was flying right towards my face. And I actually leaned back to try to swat at this beat, uh, this bee. And it literally felt this pop in my low back. And I was like, oh man, I hope that's not nothing. And then I ended up waking up the next morning and couldn't move. So, um, but I still tell everybody that I was power cleaning like 300 pounds and I felt a pop as I was power cleaning, but it was really just this fucking bee that just flew into my face and I just tried to swat it as fast as I could. <laughs> and to this day, he refuses to consume honey as a result. Um, all right. So you had that one, that one kind of big injury. Um, how did you get back into your, your training? Cause you clearly liked training. You had been doing it in a couple of years. How did you get back into it? Yeah, man. Well, I was fortunate to have some great mentors, not only physical therapist mentors, but strength and conditioning coach mentors and a little combination of the two. And um, they not only helped me with the rehab side of things, but they also kind of, you know, really ingrained the importance of these loading principles that we're talking about today and and how important it is for me to kind of get back on the horse, so to speak. So um, I, I really kind of never stopped, you know, bench pressing, squatting, deadlifting. Yeah, I did make some modifications, but um, I never actually ended up stopping those movements as I was able to kind of push through them. I honestly, I would say that the uh, position that probably gets me the most as time went on was just sitting for periods of time. If I had to sit for prolonged periods of time, forget about it, man. Whether it was in an airplane or whether it was, you know, in my car for hours, I mean, it wouldn't also be uncommon for me to get pain down my leg as well. Uh, but I was very mindful of positions that my body did like and what my body didn't like. And, you know, with some of those signs that I was having, 
you know, my body tended not to love, you know, barbell deadlifts. So I would modify with trap bar deadlifts or, you know, even till to this day, like I, I don't love, uh, front squats. So I will modify with either safety bar squats or back squats or even belt squats as it's just safer for my back. And I can continue to load those tissues appropriately. Oh, so you just modified the movement instead of sitting in bed all day. Yeah. Who would have thought, huh? huh? All right. That's a novel idea. No. Um, cool. But, um, okay, so you, you kind of changed, you know, your um, movement profile, so to speak, and you, you modified certain movements. Have you tested the waters with anything in, in, in that time? Maybe more so shortly after the injury, more so than now just because it's been, it's been quite a few years. Yeah, but. man, I, I did test it out in the beginning. And uh, for me, I had what they call uh, neural tension signs, which is basically uh, a fancy term for, you know, I've got nerve tension that runs down my leg. Um, you know, so anytime I extend my leg, whether I'm reaching down to touch my toes or trying to kick my face, you know, which I can't do anyways, um, that that would cause me to have an increase in symptoms. So uh, certain movements, like say, for example, barbell deadlifts in the beginning weren't great. Even even trap bar deadlifts weren't great just because of that flexion-based uh, movement that I was doing was irritating my symptoms. So uh, I would say that I did test it out in the beginning. I don't have any of those issues now. Um, I mean, I can barbell deadlift now for sure. Um, I don't barbell deadlift as heavy as I used to. I mean, I'm not getting any younger and I also uh, am getting my ass kicked by you all day. So, <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I don't have any issues with that stuff now. I mean, I can certainly load up my back like that now. Uh, I just have to be very mindful of the, um, the signs and symptoms that I am feeling. Cause it's not unusual for me to feel those even till today. Um, it, but if I catch it soon enough, it's, it's not an issue. So essentially Chad just removed certain demands. So he removed certain drops of water and, you know, plugged in other drops of water, other different demands with similar um, effects that would continue to increase his, his body's capacity or his cup size. So his body could still tolerate certain things. Yeah. Like he said, he still has, you know, issues with prolonged sitting, stuff like that. But realistically, should anybody sitting for prolonged periods of time? Probably not. We all should be moving pretty regularly throughout the day. We were made to do that. We were meant to do that. So we probably should move in some capacity at a regular um, interval throughout the day. So that's really good practice for any human or any animal for that for that matter. Um, but interesting. So there you have it. There's, there's Chad's kind of story on, on training and rehab. I think it's also important for us to s- say that, yeah, Chad's training background is largely resistance training. He was mentioning deadlifts, all those types of movements, cleans. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's got to do those, max out in those should people be doing, you know, hinging, squatting, uh, lunging, all those types of movements in some form and capacity with some type of external load? Yeah, probably. Um, but it depends what your goals are. If someone wants to run a marathon, if someone wants to uh, do anything cardiovascular or endurance in nature, you need to improve your body's endurance capacity, right? So that would require you to ramp up the training and running in a gradual manner. Um, if someone wants to get into something like, you know, jujitsu or some kind of martial arts, right, that's going to require you to gradually build up your body's tolerance to vulnerable positions, um, increase your flexibility, increase your endurance, your muscle endurance specifically, 
um, you know, for all those awkward positions, as well as a lot of just grappling around on the ground and rolling around on the ground where heart rate's up, but you're still using muscles and using the strength that you have. So it really just depends on your goals and what your desires are in terms of what you want to do um, for your recreational activities and your physical activities. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a solid piece of advice. And, you know, I think we, we just all start to need to think a little bit more about loading and loading principles and, you know, the benefits of loading our bodies. I mean, we're on earth. We, we have gravity and ground reaction force that, that all contribute to, uh, these amazing benefits that we get from loading the body. I mean, we're humans. That's, that's what's supposed to happen, you know? And, you know, if you're a listener out there and you're, you're not sure if you're being loaded enough or if you're not sure you're getting what you need to get out of your, your therapy, uh, whether you're going to physical therapy or you're going to strength conditioning, then, you know, you need to ask yourself, am I going to the right place? You know, and you need to ask yourself if you're getting loaded appropriately, because if you feel like you're not getting it enough, then you probably aren't. I mean, this is something that we constantly see in our facility all the time. Um, and it's, um, it's disheartening as, as, a as a colleague in the PT profession. And it's, it really sucks that that's just the way that it's going. Uh, but that's just what it is. And, you know, we just have to create better consumers for our patients and clients and knowing what they're getting and what they're, you know, the benefits are of the, you know, types of treatments and the training that they're getting, whether it's effective or not, or the most effective for them. Just ask your, if you're in a rehab situation right now, ask your, your therapist, is this going to help me get back to what I want to do? Okay. Is this enough to help? And if they can't answer or they're not entirely sure, that's okay that if they don't know that, but you may need to now progress to something else. You may be done with rehab there. You might still be more on that rehab end of the continuum. So you might need a different person to help at that point, you know, and, and that could be at another PT clinic or it could be in a um, personal training or strength and conditioning capacity. Same thing with your trainer. If you're not in, in pain or in, don't have any current injury, but you've been working with a trainer and you're doing the same things over and over and over and not go, either going up in weight, changing exercises, doing things like that. It never feels uncomfortable. That's not a good thing because we're not, we've just, we're, we're at a plateau, we're at a standstill and your cup could be going the other way. Your, your capacity could be going the other way because we've tapped out every benefit from those few exercises in the last couple months, right? So things have to change. So if you're not feeling that it's continuing to, you know, challenge you, stress you a little bit, at least to some extent, then things need to change. Yep. I think we uh, killed this topic for today, Nick. Uh, I mean, how's the saying go? Don't feed a fed horse now that we're trying to be all PC and shit. Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> feed a fed horse. The, the horse is already fed guys. Just don't, just don't feed the horse. All right. You're going to make the horse fat. We don't want a fat horse. No one wants a fat horse. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anybody wants a fat horse. I mean, I don't, have a horse, but I imagine if I did, I wouldn't want it to be fat. So, um, no, let's, uh, I think we've got that under control. So let's give everybody a little sneak peek into what next week episode is going to be about. And, uh, for all of you that don't know, uh, Nick and I have a pretty serious foot fetish here at Proform. Well, Nick, Nick, a little bit more than myself. Um, actually Nick is, um, just actually graduated from the foot collective. They have a, uh, foot nerd program. I mean, we all knew that Nick was a nerd, but now it's official. He's got the diploma and everything. So, uh, no, we definitely want to dive down some of those rabbit holes for sure. Um, we definitely want to talk more about modern footwear 
you know, take even a dive into the transition with our patients and clients that we use to kind of get them more towards natural footwear. Um, and then just talk about feet itself. You know, I think it's a great topic that not everybody uh, is is very aware of. And there's a lot of myths that need to be dispelled about it as well. So I think that's going to be a great opportunity. And we're looking forward to next episode for sure. Hopefully we can give you guys some practical um, tidbits that you can implement right away, you know, to, to help improve the health of your feet and regain a healthy relationship with your feet truly. Yep. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised it took till episode three to talk about feet. I mean, we probably would have done it in episode one, but we did have to introduce ourselves. So there's that. But anyways, uh, this episode has come to an end. We love to always finish up our episodes. Moral of the story. Moral of the story is training is rehab. Rehab is training. And if you feel like you are not getting the training side of the rehab, then you need to go somewhere else. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.